it'll be a great time to bring a good friend for an inspirational message. Well, turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to deal with water baptism. It says in verse 36 through verse 41, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be delivered from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that same day about 3,000 souls were added to them. The gospel age had just begun in the New Testament. The Lord Jesus Christ had fulfilled His promise to pour out His Spirit on all flesh and to give His church dynamic power. And as Peter preached that Jesus was the Christ, the promised Messiah of the Old Testament, that He was risen from the dead, the Spirit of God started moving on people, and the crowd of people cried out, what shall we do? Peter said three things, repent from your sins and receive Christ as Savior. Now they're born again, they're saved. Second, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because your sins have been forgiven. Number three, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now one other verse in Hebrews 6, verse 1 through 3 talks about baptism. It says, therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Elementary principles are like elementary school, kindergarten, baby stuff. This is stuff when we become a Christian we're supposed to have built into our lives before we move on to maturity. He says, let's leave the discussion of these kindergarten principles, after you learn them, and then go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. That's a work that's dead. It doesn't work. The church is filled with ceremonies and ordinances that have no life in them. They're not biblical, and you don't have to do them. And so when God does something, it's got life in it. It's an experience, okay? So he's not into ceremony and dead works. He says repent from dead works. And faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms, notice baptisms is plural, laying on of hands of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So he says we're to have certain foundations, principles of Christ, strongly built into our lives, and then we move on, grow up to maturity. So in the doctrine of baptisms, which is plural, we find three experiences. First one is in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one Holy Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free. So when I accept Jesus as my Savior, the Holy Spirit puts me, baptizes me into the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. He just has one body. Now, America has 20,000, but God has one. And it's whether you're Hispanic, Asian, Caucasian, African-American, Iraqi, Iranian, Hebrew, whatever you are, if you come to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit puts you into the one body of Christ, okay? Just, I'm just reading the Bible. You're born naturally into a family, and you're born again into a spiritual family, which is called the church, the body of Christ. 
So when we repent from our sins and come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we ask Him to wash away our sin by the blood of Jesus, His Spirit does a miracle in me, gives me a new birth, I'm born again or born anew, then the Holy Spirit immerses me into the body of Christ, the church. That's one baptism. Though the one Holy Spirit puts me in the one body of Christ. Then there's the second area in Matthew 3, verse 11. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water. That's water baptism. But there's coming one after me whose shoelaces I'm not worthy to even get down and tie. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, notice doctrine of baptisms, plural. So we're baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit when we're born again. We're baptized into water as believers by a servant of God. And by the way, any believer can baptize another believer in water. If you've led someone to Jesus, you are perfectly legal, free, and scriptural to baptize them. You do not have to be an officer of the church. Give me a page on that and I'll eat it. You can baptize another believer. And sometimes it's a beautiful experience where I've had been in services where people who led someone to Christ baptized that person themselves. It's a beautiful thing. So I'm just letting you know that there's no, you don't have to you don't have to have a collar. You don't have to have a title. You just have to be a believer. This is believer's baptism. And then third, there's baptism into the Holy Spirit by the Son of God, and that's the Lord Jesus. Now, that's the whole pattern throughout the New Testament. Water baptism is not a ritual. It's not a dead work. It's not a ceremony. It's an experience. Let me start slow and then get real dirty, okay? Number one. Water baptism is an experience of receiving the bridegroom's name. Scripture calls the church the bride of Christ, and Scripture calls the Lord Jesus the bridegroom. I just did a wedding this past Saturday, and two different unique people became one in marriage and changed names. And the bridegroom put his name upon the bride, and now she bears his name. So Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, go therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. Jesus is talking to his boys. They know his name. They call his name, speak his name every day. He's reminding all of them, I want you to go and preach me to the, to, to the world, good news, and then I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They knew what that name was. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not names. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a husband. So my name, you know, is Rick Godwin or Richard L. God, Richard Luke Godwin. All right. That's my name. So nowhere in Scripture, anywhere, will you see anybody baptizing anybody in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have to come to church for that. We do a lot of stuff, folks, that just isn't correct. All right? So, son is not a name, neither is father. Those are titles. Those are pronouns describing my relationship. In Matthew 1, verse 21, thou shalt call his name Jesus. So, what's the name of the son? This is open book, Jesus. Okay, no tricks. The father's name is referred to as Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah. I am the Lord. That is my name. And the Holy Spirit has a name, Christos, or the Christ of God, the anointing. So he is presented as the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So on the day of Pentecost, Peter makes it plain. This same Jesus has he made both Lord and Christ. 
Colossians 3, verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we marry, we bury, we bless, we pray, we give thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. James 2, verse 7, Amplified Bible, is it not they who slander and blaspheme that precious name by which you are distinguished and called the name of Christ invoked on you in baptism? So in water baptism, we take the name of our bridegroom, our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, water baptism is an experience where our heart is circumcised. Back in Genesis 17, when God gave the Abrahamic covenant, He told Abraham uh, in the first 12 verses that I'm going to make a covenant between you and me and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. It shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generation, even he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. So the sign of the Abrahamic covenant was circumcision of flesh. Skin was cut off. In the new covenant, the sign is circumcision of the heart. Skin won't do you any good, but changing your heart will. In Romans 2, verse 28 and 29, Paul says, He is not a real Jew who is only one outwardly and publicly, nor is true circumcision something physical or external. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and true circumcision is of the heart, a spiritual and not a literal matter. His praise then is not from men, but from God. So watch this. At what I'm about to say now, they don't even teach it in seminary, and this is fundamental. At the cross, some things are abolished. At the cross, some things are changed from natural to spiritual. At the cross, some things come through unchanged. Uh, I can't do them all, but let me do a quickie. Praise and worship is littered throughout the Psalms. Let's praise Him in the dance, lift up holy hands, shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. It's just praise, praise, lifting of hands, clapping and shouting. But you don't see that in the New Testament. Why not? Because it comes through the cross unchanged. God doesn't have to write a Bible this thick. He's already given you every detail about it. If the New Testament is silent, go back to the Old Testament, and there's your pattern. It didn't change. But if it changes, or if it's abolished, He's got to tell me. Tithing is before the Old Covenant. It's before the Law of Moses, way before that. And it comes right through unchanged. Now, some things are abolished. The Law is abolished. At the cross, Colossians 2 says, taken out of our way as a means of being made righteous and acceptable to God. So Jesus fulfilled the law. It's perfect and holy, but He took it out of our way. So I can't come through the law. Nobody can keep it anyway. I couldn't come through that to get to God. It's been abolished. The old covenant, 1 Corinthians 15, has been taken away, and now we're under a new covenant, a better covenant with better promises is what He says of it, right? So, so, so He's abolished some things. They're not coming back. They can't get through. They're abolished at the cross. And some things change from the natural to the spiritual. But if it's abolished or if it changes, he's got to tell me. So physical circumcision of the flesh changes. And now a Jewish apostle says it's circumcision of the heart by the Holy Spirit. 
Okay? So in Philippians 3, verse 3, we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and have no confidence in our flesh. See, God wants to cut away the flesh, the old man, that old nature from me. But how does He circumcise now? By water baptism, the Holy Spirit does a spiritual circumcision of cutting off this old crucified nature, and I bury it. Now, I'm going to give you proof of that in just a few moments. Colossians 2, verse 11 and 12. This is the Amplified Bible. In Christ also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but a spiritual circumcision performed by Christ by stripping off the body of flesh, the corrupt carnal nature with its passions and lust. Thus you were circumcised when you were buried with Christ in your baptism, in which you were also raised with Him to a new life through your faith in the working of God, as displayed when Father raised Him up from the dead. So circumcision of the heart takes place by the Holy Spirit when I am baptized. It's a response to my faith, not the ceremony itself. Every blessing we receive, we get it by faith, not by a structured ceremony. For example, how many know that there is no life or power in a stone statue or a wooden statue that's worshiped as a god? Stupid thing, has no life in it at all. Scripture says so. But there's something working behind that as a demonic power. It's a a demon power. A spirit works behind it. So faith in that demon activates, that that, that idol activates that demonic spirit in witchcraft, in which doctors use it around the world. It's been from from the earliest of our biblical histories right through to today. In communion. The bread and the the wine or grape juice, what your preference is, by themselves are nothing. Uh, It's just a carbohydrate, a cracker. (laughs) Turns to pure sugar, puts insulin in your bloodstream, stores fat. That's, it's just, there's no magic in it. And there's no magic in wine or grape juice. But we're told that the Holy Spirit imputes to us healing through that bread and cleansing Uh, of of sin through the wine, symbolic of His blood. Jesus took the wafer and crack. Actually, it was no wafer. It was a tortilla. He took the tortilla and said, this is my body broken for you. And by His stripes we are healed. And then the cup, this is the blood of my new covenant. So as I take that with faith, the Holy Spirit imputes to me cleansing, healing, strength, and encouragement. If 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 I just eat a wafer or something, it has no magic in it. But it's the Holy Spirit behind it. So it's my faith in what God's doing that imputes to me a benefit. It's not as if water would make people uh, save people. I'd throw water on people. I'd hose you all down. That's just a dumb thought that comes out in churches. So here's a good question. Now, this is the way I think and cause trouble in seminary. If it's just a ceremony, if there's nothing in it, why did they do it immediately everywhere you read in the New Testament? No matter what time, in Acts 8, you have the Ethiopian eunuch, and he's in a chariot reading from the book of Isaiah, prophetic picture of Messiah, Jesus, who was to come. But he didn't know what he was reading. And Philip joins himself to the chariot and says, do you know what you're reading? He said, no. Is this talking about himself or some other person? And Philip got up in the chariot, read it in Acts 8, and preached to him Jesus out of the Old Testament book, Isaiah. And then the Ethiopian eunuch says this, well, what hinders me from being baptized? And the Philip says, well, unless you believe 
with all your heart that Jesus is the Christ, you may. He said, I believe with all my heart Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He says, then thou mayest. And they got down out of the chariot and went down into the water and were water baptized. Immediately, everywhere. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 are baptized. Immediately. Then in Acts, we read about a Philippian jailer. Hey, I'm just asking questions. It's midnight. God brings an earthquake, opens the prison doors. The shackles fall off Paul and Silas and all the prisoners. The jailer under Roman law is going to be executed if prisoners escape, so he's about to commit suicide. Paul stops him. Hey, we're all here. Don't harm yourself. And he preaches to this guy, Jesus, who who has opened up the prison and done this miraculous intervention, and the jailer is converted and takes them to his home. Now, he started this at midnight, so let's say it's one o'clock, and he takes these two bleeding, beaten prisoners to his house. Now, look, mama's in the bed with cold cream and flannel nightgown. Everybody's asleep. They got no electricity. There's no TV on. And, and he takes them home, gets up the family. They wash their wounds. They feed them. Must be about 2 o'clock in the morning now. Then he preaches this Jesus to the whole family. They all get saved. He takes them out immediately and water baptizes them. Now, my question is, if it's just a ceremony, if it's just a dead work and nothing happens, then I'll see you tomorrow about 10 o'clock. I ain't going anywhere tonight at midnight. But that's not the pattern. The pattern was always where they were immediately. Interesting, huh? Just, just say, Rick, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Never thought about that. Well, see, I'm the guy that thinks about that and will ask you these hard questions because I'm not going to be a prisoner to some dumb denomination or somebody if it's not scriptural. You make sure it's the Word, and if it's not the Word, you're not under obligation to do anything about it. And that's a good thing. Number three. Water baptism is important because it speaks to us about the Lordship of Christ. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and you won't do what I ask you to do? Water baptism is a submission of my life to God's purpose and His pattern and His plan. Jesus Himself was water baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And He didn't need any forgiveness, and He didn't need to be born again, and He didn't need any deliverance. But He set the pattern for you and I. He never asked you to do anything He did not do Himself. So He told John, allow this to be so, and so it's been imposed on every believer since. Now, where did sprinkling come from? Well, the answer is convenience and tradition. People changed the pattern. But nowhere in Scripture will you ever find anybody got sprinkled. You have to come to church for this. But you won't find it in the Bible that's in the church. You won't find babies being baptized. It's a believer baptism. Babies are dedicated on the eighth day. But they are not baptized because it's for a believer who's already saved. And a child has not had consciousness of sin, has not made any willful choice. And if you understand the old covenant, of uh, the child is under the covenant of mom and dad. And that child has to come to the place where they know right from wrong and have a willingness to accept or reject the covenant of Jesus. 
I don't know what age it is. Somebody, I think it's 12. You just think it's 12, but there's no scripture that tells us anything about what age it is. Jesus was 12 when he went to the temple. That doesn't give me proof that somebody's accountable at 12. What if your child is retarded? What if it has a learning disability? They may never be accountable. So they're safe under the grace of God in Jesus. And so those children are under the covenant until they reject that covenant by their own volition. So don't be, some children are very much aware at four years of age and six, they're very spiritually aware. So don't compare to others. But when a child has knowledge and has the question, parents should express to them how to invite Jesus into their heart and to find out they know what they are doing. So I, I just don't want you to be frightened about water on skin doesn't help you. There's no magic in that. I'm going to show you what does happen in just a minute, okay? But that, 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 I don't know where that came from. Number four, water baptism enables us to walk in resurrection newness of life. Romans 6, verse 3 and 4. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. So the resurrection of Jesus is not just a historical event. It's something we get to experience and share in now. I've got resurrection life in me right now. Newness of life. I've become a new creation in Christ. I've been spiritually born again. And therefore, I'm walking in resurrection life now. One day this body will die. Ain't no time soon. So don't. Don't get your hopes up. But it will one day die, and so will yours. But the point is, I've still got eternal resurrection life in me now, something I never had before. And our experience of the resurrection Christ comes in a new way as we rise up out of the water of baptism and walk on in the newness of life. It's a death, burial, and resurrection. This is not a ceremony. So we're buried with Him by baptism into death, raised up by the power of His resurrection. My old man, that's my old carnal Adamic nature, was crucified with Christ. Now he's dead, but I have to bury this corpse and not let him rot on me. So he's going to be cut off from me by the Holy Spirit in a spiritual circumcision through water baptism. Baptism is an immersion. The word is baptizo. Women are probably smarter than theologians in here. How many women in here have or have had an electric skillet or fry pan? A handle that's got controls on it. Oh, you, you can vote, folks. It's okay. There you go. Good. Okay. On the handle, go home and look. On the handle or on the back of the handle, there is a warning or caution. And there's a U and an L, United Laboratories. It says, caution, do not immerse this handle in water. Correct? Every housewife knows that doesn't mean you can't take a wet washcloth and wipe it off. It doesn't mean it couldn't get splattered when you splash some dishwater on it. It means you don't push that handle down under the water and immerse it because of the electric components will get shorted out in it. Is this, a, is this a new teaching? I, didn't Betty Crocker teach you this? So immersion of a handle, everybody has no problem with it. You have to come to church to get sprinkling. There's no sprinkling anywhere in the New Testament. Nobody got sprinkled. They got immersed. 
and they always baptized where there was much water. I challenge you, find it. It isn't there. And you'll see why it's, it's incorrect and why it is not the pattern in just a second. But sprinkling came through the European church in the Dark Ages as a matter of tradition and convenience. And by the way, just thought I'd throw this one in, so did laying women on their back to have a baby. You girls may not know this, but laying on your back to have that baby, your feet up in the stirrups, is not for your benefit. That's for your OB's benefit. You see, the best way, if you read the book of Exodus, is the Israeli women delivered on birthing stools. And you're using gravity, plus your own muscle. Of course, I'm an ex- expert at this, of course. Yeah. <laughs> kind, of, kind of feel dumb talking about having a baby. All I ever did was watch her have one. And I thought about safe sex. I'd never have sex again if I had to have a baby. I, 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 sorry, I just flashed in my mind. I didn't stay out in the waiting room smoking like most of them. I went in and watched. Oh, boy. I thought, boy, if I, if I ever ask you, what have you done today? Slap me across the face. I, I couldn't do that. I got off track here. But my point, my point was they had birthing stools and they delivered quickly. That's better than 15 hours of labor, girls, right? But the whole idea of laying you down was done because it's convenient for the doctor. He doesn't want to get down. He wants you to lay down so he can stand up and be unencumbered. That happens in church, too. A lot of people change the pattern, and as a result, make null and void the experience they're supposed to have. It wasn't in the Bible. Number five, water baptism is a testimony to the unity of those who are in Christ. Listen to Galatians 3, verse 26. By faith in Christ, we have become sons and daughters of the living God. And as we are baptized into Him, Christ, we rise up knowing there's no Jew or Gentile, black or white, female or male, rich or poor, African-American, Caucasian, Asian, Hispanic, Lutheran, Baptist, Assemblies of God, Primitive, Baptist, Catholic. Catholic, God help us, or whatever else, because we are one in Him in whose name we have been baptized. So our unity is not in all these different issues that are debated. Our unity is in Christ Jesus. That's it. Our unity is in Christ Jesus. We are one in Christ Jesus, not the rapture or end times, or what do you believe about the millennium, or what do you believe about uh, uh, body piercing, or what do you believe about tattoos, or what do you believe about the Bible code? Uh, what nonsense. No, I am, I have, if God calls you brother, if God calls you son, forgive me, or daughter, I'm going to call you brother whether we agree on everything or not. If you've come to Jesus Christ, you're my brother. And if the Father calls you son or daughter, then I'm going to call you brother. How many of you disagree with your brother or sister, but they're your brother and sister? Sure. That's all right. Then verse 29, if you are Christ's, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. So I'm not a biological seed of Abraham. I'm his spiritual offspring through faith in Jesus Christ, and I'm an heir of all His blessings and benefits that God promised Him. So water baptism is not an optional extra. It's an experience of union with Christ and His people, and it's entering into part of that covenant God made Abraham over 4,000 years ago. And God has taken all those Abrahamic covenant promises through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and made those promises ours in Christ Jesus. So we're baptized into His body 
when we're saved, we're baptized then into water and we're baptized into the Holy Spirit. The sign of the Abrahamic covenant was circumcision. David looked at Goliath and he says, oh, wait a minute. This big bad boy is not a covenant man. I am. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He didn't have the sign of covenant on him. And David took him down. Water baptism in the New Testament is the fulfillment of Old Testament circumcision in the flesh. So to inherit the blessings of Abraham, I get baptized. Not to go to heaven, but to partake of all the benefits of covenant blessings. So I am redeemed. I am regenerated. I am justified by the blood of Jesus. What shall wash away my sin? Not water, nothing but the blood of Jesus. But blessings come with conditions. That's why all the descendants of Abraham had to be circumcised to get the benefits of healing and prosperity and deliverance. So circumcision was the mark of all keepers of the covenant of Abraham until Christ died on the cross. Then Paul says circumcision in the flesh is now profitless, done away with at Calvary, and it's now circumcision of the heart by the Holy Spirit. So water baptism becomes the New Testament fulfillment of the Old Testament circumcision. So look at the Old Testament circumcision. First, a child was brought to the priest on the eighth day, symbolized new beginnings, resurrection life. Uh, David was the eighth born, and he was going to start as new king of Israel. Uh, there were eight in the ark. A whole new creation was going to be formed out of that. Second, the flesh was cut off a child, and third, the child was named. So it was essential if a child was to be partaker of a Passover feast or any feast of Israel, even if strangers among them were there, they had to be circumcised to partake of any of these benefits. So eighth day was symbolic of resurrection. There were eight in Noah's Ark. When a person is baptized, what do we say when we quote Romans 6, 4? That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should now walk in newness of life. So water baptism is burying something, my old nature, my old man, and rising to walk in a resurrection experience. Second, the flesh is cut off. Uh, in the Old Testament, you cut off skin. You covered skin. In the New Covenant, which is spiritual, it's your heart. It's your nature. It's that old flesh nature that we all wrestle with. Well, some of you glow in the dark. You probably don't. But the rest of us. The rest of us in heavy traffic and other delays manifest that old nature. Oh, yeah, now I know what that is, right? Sure we do. So you are burying that old man in flesh. It's acknowledging by faith you are cutting off that old Adamic life. What happens when you're converted? Your old nature dies. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And your old man is crucified on the cross. What did Paul say? I am crucified with Christ. So that sinful fallen nature was crucified when Jesus was crucified, when I accept Him as my Savior. But what do you do with the corpse? You bury it. If you don't, it'll rot on you and draw you back into the world. So Paul says in Romans 7, verse 19, for the good that I would do, I do not, but the evil which I would not do, that I do. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? 
Now, that was written to Romans, and Romans who were really good in military skills and really good in torture. They understood what Paul said. They would take a prisoner condemned to death, strip him naked, and strap that corpse on your back. Everywhere that prisoner who was alive went, that dead corpse went, rotting, stinking body, eating into living flesh. Paul is saying, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this corpse of my old life strapped to me? He then thanks God that Jesus Christ cut the straps, put the corpse on himself, that, that corpse on himself, and set Paul free. So water baptism is the circumcision where the Holy Spirit cuts off that old crucified flesh and buries it. I don't want Satan to have access into my life through my flesh. He's going to cut it off and bury it. Now I'm going to prove that in just a second. Israel, how did they get delivered from Egypt? Just two illustrations, we're done. First, they had to have faith in the blood of the Passover lamb. Everybody okay on that? They, they had to take the lamb, the firstborn kill it, slit its throat, take the blood, put it on the doorpost, and God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Not when I see that you don't smoke, not when I see that you didn't commit adultery, not when I see that you got some sin in your, when I see the blood. The blood was symbolic that death had occurred. A substitute had paid the price for sin. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. So sin requires death. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So when I put that blood on my doorpost, regardless of my attitude or anything in my life, God says, look, death has already occurred for sin with a lamb. Now, looking forward 2,000 years, Jesus became the Lamb of God with two legs who was going to shed His blood on the cross for everybody who put their faith in Him. So God will never judge me for my sin, past, present, or future. They've already been laid on Christ. Now I suffer consequences for bad behavior, bad choices, but never say to somebody, God judging you. You know, when there's a tragedy or something, well, God's judging you. No, God took the sin of the world and judged it on Jesus and poured on Him the iniquity of us all, scandalous grace. And grace always sounds too good until you need it. Then you appreciate it. But that's what he did. So, what did the blood get me out of? Death. I'll never be judged for my sin again. In fact, I've heard Christians say, yeah, when we get to heaven, God's going to run a video. Oh, Lord Jesus. No, he's not going to run a video on the believer. He says, as far as the east is from the west, I've removed your sin from you, and I will remember it no more. There's no video on you in heaven. The unsaved, oh yeah, oh yeah. But a believer, not so. God has no record. He's, he's like Rolls Royce used to be. You, you, they have no record they ever fixed your car. They have no record that it ever broke down. <laughs> That's a fact. You do a little Google on that and see. And God says, I, I, I don't know. I got no record. There's nothing here. Death could not touch me. But secondly, they were then baptized in the Red Sea. Now watch this because I'm almost through. The blood of the Lamb delivered Israel from death. It did not deliver them from Egypt. The, the wages of sin is death, right? Shedding of blood, forgiveness of sin. So while the blood of Jesus is the only basis for your redemption, it is not the total provision of God for your deliverance. Big difference. The blood of Jesus gets me out of death. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. 
Baptism is not for redemption, it's for deliverance. When was Egypt, a picture of the flesh, cut off? In the Red Sea. The final separation from Egypt was not accomplished by the blood. They're still coming after Israel. Egypt was cut off in the Red Sea. So for the believer, water baptism is the final cutoff of that old man, that old nature. And you don't want Satan to stay on your trail or your tail, always staying addicted, always under uh, the, the, the enemy's harassment, always, 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 because that old flesh nature is hanging on you. And you're going to heaven. There's not any issue about that. But this water baptism was for deliverance. Last illustration. Noah in the ark. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. After they were disobedient long ago when God patiently waited in the days of Noah as an ark was being constructed, in the ark eight souls were delivered through water. Verse 21, and this prefigured baptism which now delivers you. So the ark was a type of my redemption. The ark is a type of Christ. Uh, Noah and his family entered into the ark. Jesus is our ark of safety, our ark of refuge. We sing hymns about it. Okay, now they're in Christ. They're redeemed, but they're not delivered. The ungodly world is still out there. So in the ark, they passed through the waters, and the waters cut off the ungodly world from them. You see, it was a spiritual circumcision. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, what happened in the Old Testament isn't just history. It was written for our instruction and our admonition so that we could understand why we do what we do. So they entered the ark, in the ark, passed through the water, and the flesh, that world, was cut off. I guarantee they were cut off. They were gone, totally destroyed. Everybody see that? That's a spiritual circumcision. Please. It does not save you. It delivers you. And it's only a qualification for a believer first. I've got to be on my way to heaven first. And then I follow Him in believer's baptism. Second, I receive His name, the Lord Jesus Christ. The family name of God is put on that person. And you will never find any New Testament disciple baptizing anybody in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, nobody's mean or wicked. It's just not right. That's not a name. So the sign and seal of the Abrahamic covenant was circumcision. And without that sign of the covenant, you didn't partake of all the promises. You can go to heaven. So water baptism is not optional. It's a New Testament fulfillment of Old Testament circumcision and every blessing of the covenant of Abraham. I was preacher, a preacher preaching the gospel until I ever saw that, and I was baptized wrong. I thought it was just a dead ceremony, nice for the family to watch, but nothing happened. So guess what? Nothing happened. So although I was in San Antonio and we had a church, when I saw that truth, I was rebaptized correctly. I wanted that old man gone, cut off from me, and I want every benefit. And I'm telling you, things started to change. It's pretty interesting. So remember, only Jesus and His blood redeems me. Got that covered, but not delivers me. So God's got one more step. Get yourself water baptized correctly. So if you've been sprinkled, you shouldn't even be arguing with me right now because you can't find one page anywhere where anybody gets sprinkled. You say, well, I was baptized as a baby. God bless you. You might as well have rubbed a tomato on your forehead. Didn't do you any good. <laughs> Nothing. And you say, well, I was baptized in the name of the Father. Well, would you 
if Jesus is Lord, do it right. You can do it right after the service. We have garments for you. If not, you can make another appointment. That's fine. But do it correctly. Do it in your swimming pool. Go at home or your jacuzzi. We baptize people in the jacuzzi like that. My wife was rebaptized correctly. One of our members here was sprinkled as a Catholic and been loving Jesus for years and being a good soul winner, but didn't see that truth until 9 o'clock and says, I'm coming over to your house and we're going to get baptized in the jacuzzi. We're going to do it. I won't ever benefit that I've got coming to me, and every protection, it's a wall of protection to help you, right? So the blood of Jesus delivers me from death, the water baptism delivers me from my flesh, and cuts off that old Adamic nature. And you might find yourself having a lot less trouble and a lot more benefit if you just shut up and obey and do what Jesus said to do, okay? You are so good. For more information on Rick Godwin and product available, visit SummitSA.com and click on Bookstore.